It's great to see so many here tonight at Grove Chapel. Very warm welcome to you all. My name is Paul Hewlett. I'm the pastor here. And uh, you are, you're so welcome to come and, uh, and stay. And as has been said before, do join us at the back for refreshments that will be served afterwards. I just want to say a, a few words about what we've just heard now. And um, I wonder how many Christmas cards you've already got up in your house, if any. Uh, I think Christmas cards are slightly going out of fashion, aren't they? Slightly going out of fashion. Maybe you've sent less and received fewer than previous years. All sorts of reasons why that may be true. Maybe you've got loads of Christmas cards. I don't know. But um, most Christmas cards contain snow, um, Father Christmas They might have biblical scenes, they might have Mary, Joseph, angels, shepherds, wise men, uh, all those sorts of things we associate rightly with the the biblical narrative of the birth of Jesus. But I don't think many Christmas cards have a picture of this man called Simeon. Simeon, who's popped up just now in the reading that Dave brought us from Luke chapter 2. And uh, who is this Simeon? And uh, what's, what's so special about him? And uh, what's, what's his part in this story of Jesus? Well, let me explain for a few minutes. Jesus is now uh, 33 days old. Anybody here 33 days old or thereabouts? One or two people are about 33 days old, aren't they? Not quite 33, maybe 20, 22 days old, 25 days old. Anyway, this baby Jesus, just what's just coming up to five weeks old, is brought into the temple in Jerusalem. And in this temple there is a man called Simeon. I think he's an old man. He's almost certainly an old man. And he's been going in and out of that temple every day of his life. It's where he lives. It's where his heart is. And... Um, Day by day and year by year, he's gone in and he's gone out and he's gone home and he's come back and he's been with all the people of Israel and he's been meeting people. He's probably been serving with the priests. We don't know quite what Simeon's job was. We're not told many things about Simeon. But one day, the very power of God's Holy Spirit took hold of Simeon in an amazing new way. And he sensed God saying to him, Simeon, go over to that couple over there with that newborn baby boy. And he did. And in a way that we again can't really understand, it was revealed to Simeon that day that this baby was none other than the Christ child, the Savior, the Lord sent from heaven. And Simeon's heart was warmed that day because we read here that Simeon was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Now you think about that word for a few moments with me. Consolation. What does consolation mean? Well, consolation is when we are consoled. When are we consoled? We're consoled when we are in distress, when we're anxious, when we're frightened, when we're upset, when we're fearful. 
we're consoled by somebody who comes and comforts us and strengthens us and encourages us. And Simeon's long, long life has been waiting for the day when his people, the nation of Israel, would be comforted, would be consoled when some good news would come, when, when a saviour would come, when, when hope would come, when light would come. And I think in that, Simeon is like so many people today. There are many, many people around us, and maybe you're one of them, who are worried about, about these present times. You're worried about life. You're worried about this country. You're worried about your future. You're worried about your children. You're worried about your work. You're, you're worried about your health. You're worried about pretty much everything. There are many worries in life. And we need a consolation and a, a comfort that will come and bring full comfort to us. Now, what is it that Simeon sees? What is it that Simeon senses? God has told Simeon, Simeon, you're not going to die. You're not going to die until the day when you see my servant, the Christ, the Savior that I'm sending into this world. And so when Simeon comes, and receives this baby into his arms and holds him, he's able to say, Lord, you can now let me go. There's nothing else in this world for me to see or to experience or, or to know any longer. I've seen your salvation. My eyes have seen your salvation. And there's nothing more that will satisfy me than that. If you were asked the question, what will satisfy you? What would you say, I wonder? Is there some place you need to go in this world? And if you, if you see that place, if you can see the, uh, the angel falls in all their glory, or if you can see some great natural wonder or some man-made wonder, you would say, ah, yes. Number one on my bucket list. I, I've seen that. I've done that. I've been there. I've had that experience. Or I've met that person. And, and now I'm, life is fulfilled for me. Simeon is saying this. I'm ready to go. For my eyes have seen your salvation. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for the Gentiles. That means... For all the nations of the earth. You see, Simeon is not simply saying, well, this is, this is my own personal joy that I might see Jesus and that's enough for me and other people have different joys and different kinds of salvation. No, the point is, this is the salvation that we all need. That we all need. But think of it like this. What does Simeon say when he looks at Jesus? He says, my eyes have seen your salvation. He doesn't say, my eyes have seen somebody who will tell me how I can save myself. He doesn't say, my eyes have seen somebody who will, who will do something for me even to save me and will work salvation for me in some future occasion. No, he's saying more than that. He's saying, in this child, in the face of Jesus, 
in this little bundle of a human being, this is salvation. This is my hope. This is my life. This is my eternity. This is everything to me. Everything that I will ever be in all eternity is all contained, encapsulated in this human being whose name is Jesus. I've said this here before and I can say it again. When we become a Christian, if you become a Christian, what do you gain? And here's the answer. You gain Jesus Christ. And that's enough. Because in Jesus Christ is contained every blessing, every hope, every joy, everything good that you and I will ever need. It's not Jesus plus a bit more. In Christ are hidden all the riches, all the treasures of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. He is not only the Savior, he is the salvation. You ask the question, what do you mean by that? I'm saying Jesus himself is salvation. To know him is life. To know him is heaven. To know him is enough. If you call on Jesus, your soul is eternally safe tonight and forever. He is Savior and he is salvation. Simeon, I like to think of Simeon as representing the Old Testament, the old books of the Old Testament, all the things that came before. And you know, our Bibles have the Old Testament and the New Testament so close together, don't they? But the, the Bible is only complete when the New Testament, as it were, is bound together in one book with the Old Testament. The Old Testament is Simeon. The New Testament is Jesus. And now they, as it were, they come together and Simeon says, Ah, I'm, I'm holding him close to my heart. I'm receiving him as the salvation promised from the beginning. I have enough. I'm ready to go. There's nothing more I want. We can be such greedy people, such proud people. We can want so many things from life, can't we? But I tell you, we need nothing and no one more than we need Jesus Christ himself, who is God's salvation. But just one more thing I want to say this evening. Do you notice how he then turns to Mary, the mother of Jesus? And he says a few things to her that seem rather startling. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And then he says this, and a sword will pierce through your own soul too. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, you see already with this infant Jesus, Mary, his mother, is being told that a day is coming when her own soul will be pierced as with a sword. What's going to happen? Well, her own son is going to be spoken against, is going to be reviled, is going to be hated, and one day is going to be nailed to a cross. And Mary, we know, was there watching when Jesus was crucified. But that death of Jesus was no accident, was no 
sad, forlorn, disappointing ending to a promising career that began in Bethlehem 33 years earlier. The death of Jesus was the very life work of Jesus. Indeed, how can Jesus be our salvation? Here's the answer. It's only in his death. If Jesus had never died, none of us could ever be saved. It's not enough that Jesus was born. It's not enough that Jesus lived. It's not enough that he was God made flesh. That's a wonderful thing we sing about at Christmas time, and so we should. But he was made human flesh so that he might die. Because his death is that which saves us. His blood cleanses us. His death is our death to sin. And his resurrection is our resurrection to eternal life. Jesus Christ is the salvation of God. My final challenge to you then is, as you go away tonight, have this picture of Simeon in your mind. He's holding Jesus close. He's holding this child to his own heart. He realizes that nothing and no one in the whole universe could be more precious, more wonderful, more needful than this human being who is God's only unique and full salvation. Here is life. Here is forgiveness of sins. Here is peace with God. Take Jesus. Hold him. Receive him. Because he and he alone is God's salvation. And it's our joy every Sunday here at Grove Chapel, morning and evening, to speak of Jesus. It's he who defines what we are as a church that meet together here, meeting in the name of Jesus, because he is only God's salvation. We're going to stand and sing our final carol now. Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Let's stand to sing.